All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Weekly Watt for Saturday, April 16th, 2022. I am one of your hosts, Colin Jenkins, alongside the future of fitness himself, a.k.a. Mr. Montana, Eric Malzone. Right on. Colin, fun to be here, man. And I, that intro music, whatever that was, that fired me up. That was really good. So <laughs> dude, I'm uh, I'm excited yeah. to spend a Saturday morning with you and, and talk about tech. It's uh, for, this is a joy for sure. How's everything in Montana? What's the weather like over there, man? We got, uh, we got cloudy and 32 degrees this morning. So we thought, we thought spring was here a couple weeks ago, but it's winter's back. Uh, so okay. we, got, uh, we got some cold weather, man, but it's, it's nice. It's peaceful. It's calm here. Usually, uh, you know, in the shoulder seasons, which we consider April and basically October, uh, gets really quiet. The locals get it back and, uh, mm. not as much tourism. So I'm enjoying it. And I got my Traeger grill. I was telling you before cooking some, uh, some brisket right now, which is yeah. my first attempt with the barbecue technology. We don't have to get into that, but. Oh yeah. Connected barbecue. Yeah. That's, our, that's the other show is uh connected barbecue <laughs> channel. Uh, so in terms of, uh, you know, you've been running, doing podcasts for a long time. Um, you know, for people who haven't, you know, seen or heard you before, uh, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the future of fitness podcast and you know when you started that and what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, I started the future of fitness podcast back in 2017. So people may or may not know you and I have known each other for quite some time back in the CrossFit yeah. days, and uh, we owned a gym yeah. together for a short span of time. <clears throat> um, and when I uh, we decided to to leave. California, uh, sold, you know, my shares of the gym and my other gym and we, we hit the road. I needed something to do. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I had a friend, Doug Holt, who kept telling me, Hey, you should try this podcasting thing. I'm like, you know, I, I kind of like podcasts. Joe Rogan was just starting to get cool. Okay. Uh, and, uh, I'm like, well, screw it. What do I need? <laughs> right. And all I figured all I really needed was zoom, uh, my headsets and, my computer and I could start interviewing. So I started interviewing people, like mostly friends in the industry, people I'd known a little while. Dan John came on for like episode number three, which for people in the strength game, that was like, oh, like God, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So fast forward now, uh, you know, it's it's evolved <laughs> quite a bit. It's, you know, year five, um, maybe six, I guess, five. Wow. I've done uh, with the future of fitness, I've released almost 275 episodes. Uh, I also, it's a weekly show. Um, I talk mm. to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and innovators, futurists, things like that within the fitness, health and wellness technologies. And it's more of a business to business show. And then I also had um, the fitness blitz radio, which I did 360 episodes of that was a daily show uh, for oh, a while. Okay but that became a little bit too much work as you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Uh, and then, uh, I have another one that's kind of just a, a project of mine called black diamond podcast. And I've done about 60 of those. So all in all, uh, I've probably released, you know, about 700, uh, podcast interviews over the last five years. And, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. Know, podcasters don't get paid a lot. So I do it because I like it. Oh, that's awesome, man. I've done, uh, I've done three, so I'm, I'm catching up, man. Watch out. <laughs> 697 more. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. So let's get this started. Um, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, again, welcome to the weekly Watt live show where each and every week we come together to nerd out about everything in the connected fitness and health world. If you like that, you can head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe at connect the Watts to watch the show live. Or you can find the Weekly Watt podcast later on any major podcast platform like Apple or Spotify. 
Joining us later on in the show will be the founder and CEO, Stephen Webster, an expert on computer, on computer vision tech to help us understand the potential of AI and connected fitness. But for now, let's talk about some news. We've got five items on the news block this week. The first two, unsurprisingly, have to do with Peloton. Hmm. So this week, Peloton had a big announcement that they would both be increasing their monthly membership price while also lowering the price that they're selling their equipment, like their bike and their tread. And so this has kind of caused like a reaction, a mixed reaction within you know the Peloton community and from you know uh, people you know interested in it. So I wanted to kind of like detail that out for you and kind of get your thoughts on it. But um, so the Peloton membership is kind of broken down into like a bunch. It's it's kind of scattered. So there is a digital membership which people who just have like the app. Um, pay. And I think that's like around like 10 or $12 a month. Mm -hmm. Then there is the all access membership, which is what people who have the Peloton bike or the tread pay. Um, the biggest difference for that is being that they have access to like their statistics and they can see their metrics, you know, while they're taking classes. Um, and then the new uh, membership is for their brand new Peloton guide, which we'll talk about in a bit. And that one is $24 a month. So you can use the Peloton guide tool. But at the end of the year, that's going to be increased to the all access price. Um, and then this week, they've or they're going to they've announced that they're going to increase that price from thirty nine dollars to forty four dollars, mm. which uh, you know isn't a huge increase. But I think part of the reason why people kind of are upset about it is because they're also simultaneously uh, lowering the price of their bikes and treads by by quite a bit. Um, and you know, there people are feeling like. They're lowering the price and like they're increasing the membership price so they can lower the bikes and treads because they want to have those sell better. But members feel like who bought the price or the the bike at a much higher cost feel like they're paying that cost themselves when they already paid the higher cost. So I don't know if uh, you know what your feelings are on that or if you think that was like a good strategy or just kind of get your thoughts. Yeah, you know, it's 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 been a mystery what Peloton's been up to the last year. I mean, when you look like um just from a business perspective and the overall landscape of of connected home fitness, they've uh they've definitely had their missteps as far as management, it would seem. Uh and you know, as the pandemic led up, the demand on such connected home fitness equipment just it didn't, you know, it's not going anywhere. It's still going to be around, but the pendulum's kind of swinging back and the whole industry is recalibrating um, and the consumer demands are recalibrating. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting time. Now, when you look at something like that, uh, you know, I think the holy grail of most businesses nowadays is MRR, so monthly re recurring revenue. Yeah, And that's, you know, if, you, if you're looking at just hardware sales and you don't have that reoccurring revenue on the back end, then, uh, you know, it doesn't become as attractive to shareholders, investors, right? They mm -hmm. want to see consistent quarter over quarter revenues. So um, is it a good move by them? I don't don't know yet. We'll <laughs> find out, you know, we'll look at the next quarterly reports and see how they do. But they're, yeah, they're in some hot water right now. That's for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think they're just under the microscope. So anything they do becomes, you know, a heavily contested issue. I try to look at these things, you know, from two perspectives, you know, one from the consumer and then one from like the business aspect. Um, you know, I think it, it sucks kind of for the consumer, especially for people who, you know, like Barry McCarthy, the new CEO who took over, like literally said less than one month ago that he would not be raising prices on current members. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. So 
you know, the time in terms of like the messaging and timing and stuff, I think they could do a, a better job. Um, $5 obviously isn't the end of the world for an increase, especially now when everything's increasing by at least that much. So it's, it's no shock that it's, it is increasing. Um, so I think part of it is that like, you know, being told that it wouldn't be increased and then it is. And then I think the other part of it is having such a big disparity between, you know, the digital members who pay $12 and all access members who are paying $44, but with very little difference in terms of the actual content they're receiving. Uh, the only real difference is having those metrics. And so it's, I think a lot of people are questioning, like, is it even worth to, you know, buy a Peloton bike when you could get, you know, a different bike and just run Peloton classes and save like $400 a year. Um, so, you know, I think just that's maybe causing a lot of the issues, but you know, on the business side of it, I think it's smart. You know, Barry McCarthy is obviously a data guy. Um, the value of memberships is obviously the profit margins of a membership is obviously significantly higher yeah. than equipment sales and their equipment sales are much slower than they used to. And they have a huge back, a huge inventory. So what are you going to do? Like lower the prices of the inventory and then make no profit, additional profit. Like their only way to kind of increase the profit probably at this point is to really, you know, adjust those memberships. Um, so we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised though, to see that digital membership jump up in price by double within the next year. I think they're just kind of like layering things one, one step at a time. So you know, we'll see. Um, have you heard about their like bike rental program? No, not yet. But you know, I want to get back to that one too, because yeah. you, you look at like a uh, whoop, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And well, actually, let me start that over again. I think you made a really good point is that they're under a microscope Peloton is, I mean, they are essentially like what Airbnb and Uber were to their associated category, you know, the breaking a new category, right? Like now everyone just says Uber, everyone just says Airbnb, just like at one point mm -hmm. someone just called a tissue Kleenex and, you know, yep. lip balm chapstick, right? They're the leading brand name for that. So they're always going to be under a lot of scrutiny, but they're going to also, you know, probably face the most growing pains. Um, but you look at like something like Whoop, and I know we can't compare it because the Whoop hardware is so much less expensive to make, mm -hmm. but they give that for free now, right? And yep. they're just looking for a 12 month membership. So I think you look at like how whoops, they're probably looking at whoop who's crushing it. And then yes. they're like, okay, how do we get more to of a whoop model? And I exactly. think that's a, uh, that's an interesting thing to watch from the outside. No. And I think that's a good comparison. Cause like whoop, you know, a few years ago they were valued at, you know, a few million dollars. Now they're valued at, you know, several billion, I think. I think uh, it's 4 billion. 4 billion. Yeah. So, you know, and part of that growth really came from, you know, instead of a $500 whoop band, you can pay nothing for it. And, but your membership has been increased. And so ultimately way more people are willing to, you know, adapt it and get it. And long-term they probably make more money per unit, uh, because for two reasons, one, because if I pay 20 or $30 per month for this for three or four years, that's a lot more than I would pay in 500. And then two, and this is what I think you know, why I think Peloton is really going to that direction is they want to, you know, try to disrupt that resale market, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, with fitness equipment, what, what, with all fitness equipment, it doesn't matter if you're, it's a Peloton or if it's something else, most people who buy it or a good proportion of people who buy it are not going to end up using it after 
six months or so. It's just going to become a coat rack, right? Yeah. Totally. It doesn't matter how good it is. People are just lazy and yeah. you know, it's hard. I mean, it's getting better to figure out ways to gamify things and get people more invested in coming back. But ultimately, there's going to be a percentage of people who are never going to use it for the most part. Um, but so when Peloton sells, you know, millions and millions and millions, like millions of units, not millions and millions, but millions of units, and then their demand drops and the people have stopped taking the classes as much because maybe they're going to the gym or doing other things. You see that used market just explode and that also hurts their sales. Uh, it doesn't hurt their memberships, memberships because if I sell my bike to somebody else, there's still that same membership being hmm. collected, um, which is good, but they're losing out on future sales um, that they could have. And so I think that's where you go to that whoop bottle. I can't sell you my whoop. I mean, I could, but you'd be stupid to buy it because you'd have to pay the literally the same exact price to get a brand new one for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think Peloton is thinking, oh, that's maybe a really good direction for us where, you know, the resale value of your bike is so low that like it makes no sense to sell it. Um, so then the resale market, you know, goes lower and lower. Um, but, and that was going to be my point is they, they started up a bike, a bike and I don't think they've done treadmills yet, but a bike rental program. Mm -hmm. So you can, if you live close enough to certain of uh, their locations, you can rent a bike instead of purchasing one, um, but have a much higher, you know, membership fee. And I think that's, you know, very similar to that whoop model. Um, it also allows them to get rid of, or to utilize a lot of the refurbished stuff yep. because, you know, if you're renting out a bike, you know, it's not going to be a new one. It's going to be a refurbished one that they probably couldn't otherwise sell at least, you know, at a, higher price. So it's a way for them to, you know, reutilize some of the refurbished bikes and also, you know, again, lower that initial price point, like the whoop to hopefully, you know, allow for a wider expansion of, of not just being considered like a luxury item where people have to pay, you know, thousands of dollars to get started. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, it's an interesting trend too. I mean, when you look at the, the markets, you know, like yeah. if we take a step back and look at it, like from a macro level and the gen the younger generations tend to want less ownership and more access. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, they don't need to own a car. They could just Uber or ride share or do whatever. Right. Yep. Um, you know, that, that tends to be a trend that we're starting to see and people just want access to these things, but they want, you know, they just don't want a ton of stuff. I, I think it's a great trend. I love how younger generations seem to be less materialistic in mm -hmm. gathering crap like we do as Americans, you know, it's just like you said, like, you know, buying one of these things six months later, it's, you know, it's drying your towels right in the, mm. uh, in the living room. So I, it's, it's an interesting trend. I, I like what they're doing. So I think it's a, it could be good. We'll see. Yeah. man. And so they, they lower the price, you know, a good amount. And so that was the last thing I was going to say is <clears throat> I think another thing maybe that people kind of are upset about is, or just confused about is, you know, Peloton's they've changed the prices of their bikes and treads. I think six or seven times in the past eight months, uh, yeah. it's, it's went from like the Peloton bike went from 1900 to 1500 to 1700 back down to 1500 back up to 1700. And now it's back down to 1500. So I think they're just testing a lot of things out, trying to figure out what's going to work for them. But in the meantime, it, it's, you know, as a consumer, it's can be a, a bummer if you're on the, if you have bad timing, right? Yeah. But uh, next up, so I want to talk about the Peloton guide. So 
the Peloton guide came out last week and what this is, and we're going to talk about this more with uh, Steven too, but um, this is, you know, essentially Peloton's first, you know, strength hardware, uh, which, but it's basically just a camera and the goal of which is to, you know, make, I'm not, to be honest, I reviewed the thing. I've spent dozens of hours with it already and I still don't, I'm still yeah. not quite sure what the goal is, but, uh, <laughs> it, so here's what it is. It, it's, it's supposed to give you, I don't know. That's the thing is it's supposed to help you with your strength workouts, but all it does at this point is it kind of keeps track of your movements. So like during a workout set, uh, you won't get credit for it unless you're moving in kind of a similar area of your body for like 80% of that time. Uh, that, that's one aspect. And the other aspect is it, it puts a video of you, um, on the TV. So you can kind of see yourself next to the instructor with the idea being that, you know, like a mirror, you could see yourself work out. You might be able to make some form corrections and maybe more easily identify, you know, how you look compared to the instructor. Um, but, uh, you know, that, and they initially it was, this was going to be about $500. They were going to charge <laughs> for it. And then it was like, what? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. And so that, you know, they were able to lower the price down to, to $300. Uh, but I don't know. Have you seen this at all? I, I watched your review and okay. I'm just going to, here's what I'm going to say, right. Is that, uh, having been in, you and I've been in this industry for a very long time in the last three years with the technology output and stuff like this coming out, a lot of connected mm -hmm. home fitness, stuff like that. You get a lot of technologists, that don't know anything really about fitness, right? Yeah. And then you get people like you and me who actually lived fitness for a very long time, coaching it, right? Seeing from the ground up what works, what doesn't. And with I see this, I, I see crappy coaching, right? I see like bad programming, uh, you know, I think strength programming, this is, this is like some kind of cardio strength, weird thing that they're trying to do, right. Just pump out repetitions and, and all that. Okay, so, you know? so to be, so to be fair, there, there yeah. are, so mo most of what you're saying is true. Like most classes are very fast paced with very little rest. Uh, which I mean, look, if somebody only has 15 minutes to work out in the day and they yeah. want to do a workout for, and get some strength development in, then no, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I, sure. I, I don't think it's necessarily bad. Um, and they do have like one or two classes a week that are maybe a little bit longer with a little bit longer rest that are more, you know, geared towards, you know, more functional strength development. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I, I guess my, my problem is maybe not, not necessarily with the content side of things as much. Um, although obviously that could, that that's an issue. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the hardware side. It's like trying to evaluate what value. Will what, and what's the get. price point again on this Colin? It's $300. Um, mm. and so if you're a digital member, so if you're an all access member, you're paying with a bike membership or a treadmill membership, there's no additional membership fee, but if you're a digital member, so if you're an app user and you want to use the Peloton guide to kind of enhance your workouts, uh, that membership is going to double to $24 until the end of the year, after which it'll go to the all access price. So $44. So you're paying a lot more, um, down the road to, to have this access, uh, with the guide. And, and what do you think they're going after here? Like what, what's, what's the goal? Like who's the market that they're trying to get? What's, what's the incremental gain that you think they're, they're trying to get out of this product? 
I think that's kind of the problem is that I don't think there was people asking for this. Uh, gotcha. If, if there was rep counting and form feedback and people like that, but they weren't asking for something like this. I, I think this was more of a, hey, we acquired a, a company with uh, some basic AI technology, camera tech. Uh, they had acquired, I forgot the name. I think it's like Atari, uh, not Atari. Uh, it's like, I don't know. It's a yoga mat uh, company that they, it's like a connected fitness yoga mat that they had acquired with 3D uh, camera tech. Uh, maybe they try to use that for something quick um, while they develop a more robust strength you know, equipment. Uh, I think they just wanted something to show, something new to put out. And I think at the time of the development, you know, if they put out anything regarding Peloton, it would have sold great. Right. Um, and then maybe they ran out of cost to make this thing better. I don't know what happened with it, but it's obviously, it feels like it's not, uh, I, I it feels like it shouldn't have existed at this point, <laughs> with, with what it came with, with what it came with. Well, here's, here's, here to kind of wrap my thoughts around again too, is that, you know, I, I, I applaud things that get people off the couch and moving, right? That's, you know, as a fitness industry, we, we get the same 20% of the population all the time, right? But that other 80%. So if this helps get that, that's great. The other thing, you know, not to be too critical, but I'm just going to go ahead and say is like a lot of times in the tech fitness technology area, people get really wowed by cool gadgets and things like that, that we forget about like, well, is this actually getting better fitness and health outcomes for the people using it? And that's what I'm wondering, like, is this going to achieve that? I think Peloton, the heart, like the original bike, undoubtedly, got people fitter, right? People I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the bike and the tread. I use yeah, it all the time. Huge. I love right? their content and their uh, products are great. Yeah. Yeah. And so for this case, like, is it doing that? And we, I guess we don't really know yet. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we'll talk to Steven to see what he thinks we can do yeah. <laughs> what they can do to, to improve it in a second. Um, we do have a few, you know, we have a few more minutes before we jump in with him, but I do want to kind of cover a few other quick news. Um, updates for this week. Uh, the first of which is that, you know, iFit was nominated for a 2022 <laughs> sports Emmy, um, with their Everest, uh, a Trek to base camp series. And, uh, this is the first time any connected fitness company has been up for any kind of Emmy nomination like this. Um, and so I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, it's being recognized by, like groups outside of just the fitness community as, you know, valuable and interesting and, and high quality content. Um, have you checked out iFit stuff at all? Have you ever seen any of their programs? You know, I'm sure I perused through their, um, through their website and I haven't downloaded the app and used it. So short answer, no, but I'm familiar with the brand. Yeah. 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 So I, I took, uh, I took probably like, so this, this Everest, uh, trick to base camp, it's, it's, it's designed for the treadmill or elliptical. It's, uh, it's like 18, like 40 to hour long workouts. It's a, it's a big series. Wow. Um, and it takes you, you know, as it says, all the way, uh, to the base camp on Everest. It has like three different instructors. It's, it's super well done. Um, and it's, uh, I just, I'm very, uh, excited that, you know, these companies are being recognized. I've always felt like, I feel like there should be eventually like some kind of reward show for, you know, the, the coaches that are really good. And, you know, obviously the production value of some of these programs is phenomenal. Um, some of the other nominees are like the college football road trip. So the, the, what they're nominated for is uh, outstanding interactive experience. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the House of Highlights from the Bleacher Report, NBA, NBA on TNT Tuesday, and NFL Slime Time. Uh, so I feel like they have a good shot to win this because out of all of those, it's by far the most interactive. Like you're actually interacting with the program. So um, expl- explain that to me, Colin. Like what is the experience? You're, you're watching on like a tablet and then you're... What do you yeah, think so, you're doing? So on this program, it's it's like a hiking um, program basically, right? So you're following along instructors, um, you know, usually one at a time on these. There's three that kind of lead you through here. And, you know, with all their treadmills, uh, they're all connected and they're all automatic. So they'll automatically incline the or it automatically adjust the incline and the speed uh, relative to the incline that you're seeing on the screen and relative to your current fitness level for the speed. Um, and I tested it on their X22i, which has like an incline of up to 40%. Uh, Oof. so, which is like, you're, you're like almost falling off that thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. actually impressive. Uh, it's a steep pitch, but yeah. So it, it actually makes it kind of like, feel like a legit hike. It's, it's good. And so you're just kind of following along, but what made it really interesting is just like the, the production value, like just being able to see everything. And then the instructors were, were really good. Just kind of telling the, really just teaching about Everest and teaching about all the different locations and the stories and, uh, their previous climbs and the history of it. Um, it, it was, it was really good. And, uh, now I'm happy to see, you know, them be recognized for that. Um, also additionally, just real quick is, so the other yesterday, uh, Nordic track released limited edition, S27i bikes uh, with two new colors. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is uh, because I haven't really seen this before. Um, I've seen this before in a lot of other types of products of limited editions, Uh, but I haven't seen it with like connected fitness so much uh, where, you know, there's like a limited edition color or a certain, you know, only available for a certain amount of time. Um, And I'm curious to see how it does for them because I think it's actually really smart um because you know i have the black one of these and the white one looks really cool and so i think <laughs> i think it definitely that's, drives that's how they get it, you. Does. it does um so i think it drives interest especially in times maybe you know as we get towards summer that there's less overall interest in indoor um you know bikes and stuff to kind of motivate people but uh what's your, what do you think white if you had a do you have an exercise bike or no no, I'm I'm old fashioned man. I got a C2 rower. Yeah, okay. I got a C2 rower. Uh, that's about it. Just yep, for the yep. winter months, and but most of the time I'm outdoors. But I do like I'll go to you know our gym and I'll use the spins occasionally. And um, but this is you know it, Wait, it's fascinating. Go ahead. Let me ask you: Would a CT C2 uh like let's say your rower is getting old and would a limited edition like fancier C2 rower with some extra bells and whistles and like limited edition colors that, entice you at all or no it is would it probably be not you price huh? no probably not me yeah. <laughs> um but i could see how it would i mean if it was relatively yeah. the same price or if it had like you know just like i don't know five percent more price on it and had this really cool stuff and then but what am i going to do like bring my friends over and be like hey check out my limited yeah. edition c2 rower you know yeah. i don't no one's going to give a crap right um but these like these also sit these are like but, art right like these sit in your living room for most yeah. people. Yeah. No, I think, I think so. Plus you're not, you're a, 
you're more old fashioned. You're not even a millennial, I don't think, right? No, no, I'm no, not. I'm 45, no. whatever that makes yeah, me. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So maybe maybe this isn't good for you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm more excited about these things. Uh finally, the Urgata, uh, so Urgata is a rower too. Um hmm. they it's more of like a gamified rowing machine. It doesn't rely on you know instructors so much as it does just uh you know gaming fine workouts. And you know, actually one good thing kind of talking about you know, program design and, and stuff like that is the one thing I like about Urgata a lot is, you know, sometimes with gamification with fitness is people make, uh, they make games and they try to figure out how to make a workout in those games. And then yeah. it makes like, for example, the Peloton lane break, uh, even though I kind of like it a little bit, uh, which it's, so it's a video game kind of mode on Peloton. It, your workouts on those mo on that mode look nothing like how you would actually train in any other class. Uh, so when that happens, you, I think there's an issue, like there's a problem. It's too much more like figuring out how to m make this game a workout where it should be the other way around. Yeah. And that's what Regatta does a good job as, you know, they're, they have gamified it, but all their sessions are actually like training sessions that you would normally do with or without a game. Um, but they have their, uh, they, so they've always had races, but this is the first time they're going to have multiplayer, like live races set to begin next week. So. I'm excited about that. I'm going to jump on that. Uh, have you ever, does, is, is there a way to do any kind of like live stuff or racing on concept two? So that's a really I interesting. I heard something like that maybe before, but yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think that's, I know, um, some different projects. Short answer. I think you can get like, uh, the city row go app. Okay. Right? which is city rows, another connected rower. They're actually officially yep. omni-channel, but, um, <clears throat> and I've used that on my C2 rower. And, but I think that might be one of the greatest opportunities is, I mean, gosh, how many, call how many CD rowers you think are, are sitting in people's gyms or garages? There's probably millions, right? And they have this ability to be yeah. connected somehow. And I think that's, I, I know people are working on projects like that, but I haven't seen anything in the market that truly gamifies the C2 rower. Yeah, that'd be interesting because yeah, there are a lot out there. Um, I'm surprised they haven't done anything themselves. Okay, so anyway, let's bring in our guest this week, uh, founder nice. and CEO of Asensei, Stephen Webster, an expert in AI, computer vision, and its integration into connected fitness to get his thoughts on the Peloton Guide as well as the potential and promise of AI within connected fitness. So let me bring Steven in if I can figure this out. And I think good morning. How are it you? Worked. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Good to see you again as well. Yeah, you too. It sounds he's, he always sounds like the voice of God, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> good to see you Steven. Likewise, awesome. Likewise. Awesome. So yes, yeah, Steve, I would uh, love to kind of hear your thoughts as kind of somebody who's more an expert and understands a lot more than, you know, us sideliners who just like to talk <laughs> shit about stuff that we see, Criticize. but we yeah. don't really have the full understanding or full picture that you might. And so I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts because I know you were able to kind of take a look at and test out the Peloton guide as well. There you go. I have it here. I have it here. Yeah. Well, so listen, I'll start by, you know, the Australians have a great phrase for this tall poppy syndrome. You know, we, we all love to cheer on companies as they're growing and as they're underdogs and they get bigger and bigger. And then when they get really tall, we love to kind of cut them down in the knees. <laughs> and, you know, as a founder, that would be bad karma for me to participate in that. So that's not kind of yeah. my position. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, listen, you know, the, the product itself, I mean, it's top-notch industrial design. I think it looks mm -hmm. great. It feels great. Um, you know, Peloton are established and are really nice. I mean, it looks like the treadmill, right? It looks kind of like the Peloton tread. There's like a clear design language. And, you know, I think that comes through in the UX as well. You mm -hmm. now, We can get into this perhaps. I found the onboarding a little sticky. The computer vision part of the onboarding did not work well for me at all, which for me, when that's my world, I'm like, oh, come on. You know, mm -hmm. we, we want the world to see this stuff working. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the UX of the app, the UX of the product is great. And listen, what's the thing that Peloton, I think, does better than anyone right now? It's the production quality of the content, and the content sure. is great. But that said, you know, in my in my gym, in my garage, I have a TV on the wall, and I have the Peloton app on the, on the LG TV, and there's very little difference in parity between the two experiences. And I think the challenge was, and to be blunt, we saw this coming. Like, we've been watching the launch of the Peloton Guide really closely and the, the the copy and the content marketing and the emails and the website has like just kept walking back away from we're going to be able to do form tracking mm -hmm. um so we knew when it launched that we weren't going to be seeing we were very unlikely to see uh you know red counting and form tracking and for me and you know for for my company Ascensi, like form tracking is not the point of uh, sorry red counting is not the point of arrival you know it's the price yep. of admission if you can't do that if you can't recognize what somebody's doing, you can't do anything else that's related to personalization and coaching. So, I, I mean, I think here's here's what happened. And you mentioned, you know, the acquired Otari, the acquired Atlas, the acquired Akido, who was the voice recognition, 80 million bucks out there about uh, of acquisitions, mm -hmm. trying to integrate three different teams, three different cultures in a remote first world where they right. haven't met each other before. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a hard proposition. And the problem is hard. And I think... Um, you know, I think Peloton Guide is now a cautionary tale about build versus buy, um, and the core technologies that you 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 know. The, the, the example I always use is Dolby surround sound. Like no TV manufacturers, like you know what? As well as manufacturing and distributing TVs in different sizes and shapes, let's try and solve seven channel spatial audio and do it ourselves. <laughs> it's like you like you license Dolby, right? Or, or it's not like let's build a PC and let's go and design our own process. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Apple do that now. <laughs> but for most companies, it was like, let's buy Intel. And that's how we've always thought about form tracking is it's like it's such a hard problem um, that there needs to be companies that exist that other companies use as an ingredient in their product. Um, so, yeah, Peloton Guide, you know, I, I will say this. Do you remember the first iPods, like the really first iPods? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, you, yeah. And, you, and you remember the Diamond Rio and the Sony MP3 players that even predated that? They sucked. At the time, it was magical. It was like, wow, you know, there's no moving parts. There's no cassettes. There's no CDs. I can rip my own music collection. But if you think of that first-generation iPod, you can Google this online for kind of the evolution uh -huh. of, you know, mankind. That first iPod to the experience now where I just sit in my car and I say, you know, hey, sorry, play Mark Farina Mushroom Jazz, and boom, it's playing. Uh, it took a lot of iteration to get there. So if I want to give Peloton some credit, they've got a product in market. You know, they often say this in startup land, you should always be embarrassed of your first product. Now, I don't think that should be the case for Peloton, um, but hopefully they iterate quickly. Um, I'm concerned that they've made some technology choices that means they might not iterate as quickly as they would like to. So it's going to be an interesting ride for them. So in terms of like them improving, because the, the, from what I understand, and tell me if I'm wrong, the, the camera itself is more than adequate to be able to do 
a lot of, you know, rep counting, form tracking and that stuff. It's just like the software within it that needs the upgrading. So what do you think they could do? And you said that maybe they already made choices that is going to limit them, but what could they do to improve the Peloton guide to the point where it could do these things? Yeah. I mean, like if Tom Cortese, the co-founder of the chief product officer of Peloton, I mean, if he was to reach out to my team, I think there's three areas we would focus on. Um, the first, and it's super techy and nerdy, but it's, you know, it's necessary, but not sufficient. It's what we call pose estimation. How do you use that camera to capture the skeleton in front of you? Um, you know, previous to Essentia, I worked with Microsoft. I worked super closely with the Xbox team. And you got to think about this. In 2012, we launched Nike, Nike Fitness for Xbox. And, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, uh, the, the, the desired Peloton experience was on an Xbox console. And the Peloton are trying to shrink that down to a, a lower cost piece of hardware. So that 3D pose estimation, that's a really hard problem. I suspect they're really struggling to get that to perform. They're either doing 2D pose estimation, not 3D, because there's a lot of, let's draw a square around. It's like flat Stanley's mm -hmm. working out. You know, we'll draw a square around you, hmm. but I have no idea. Is your right hand back and your left hand forward or is your left hand back and your right hand forward? That depth from the camera lens. Mm -hmm. As soon as you start trying to do that on a piece of hardware like this, it gets hot really quickly. <laughs> and so that's something we've solved for. We can do that. We can do 3D pose estimation from mm -hmm. just a cheap camera. Uh, but it's a hard problem. The hmm. second problem we have to solve is like, how do you recognize exercises? Like, how do I watch somebody do an exercise? Did either of you guys ever watch Silicon Valley, you know, the HBO show? So, oh, yeah, I love yeah. Do you remember the hot dog, not hot dog sketch? Now, don't go all the way to the end. It's not safe for work, but um, <laughs> hot dog, hot, not hot, hot dog, not hot dog was like they pointed a camera at a piece of food and it said hot dog. It's like, this is amazing. Point at the pizza. <laughs> And the pizza goes, no hot dog, you know, it's because it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to teach a machine to recognize more and more things that start to look more and more similar. And the mm. state of the art with a lot of the companies right now who are trying to do exercise recognition is let's get hundreds of people doing hundreds of reps and thousands of hours of video. And let's give it to a machine to eventually figure out. I've seen enough people doing a Romanian deadlift pretty confident that's a Romanian deadlift with zero understanding of what's the good nuance of technique in a Romanian deadlift. And, you know, if I was teaching a Romanian deadlift to a beginner, what's the most important thing I would teach? And if I was teaching it to somebody more advanced, what's the next most important thing I would teach? And the problem with this kind of like feed images to a machine to kind of try and AI and try and do AI is very slow to teach new exercises and to, to, to teach new faults. And it also, makes this thing run really hot <laughs> when you run those models. So that's the second yeah. thing we'd help with. But if I can just add one more thing, Colin, and I think it's mm -hmm. the most important thing, you know, I've talked about two pieces of the technology that are really, really hard and, you know, not to pitch our own company, but those are the problems that we solve for, for everyone else um, in a much more scalable way and a much more performant way. But the really hard problem is lack of imagination. Like if I see one more product telling me to squat deeper, um, I mean, it's just... How many of us were in, you know, we've all coached and how many of us in class, all we do is just like shout out reps and shout out mistakes. Like it's not coaching. And so I think, you know, what I hope for the industry to understand and, you know, we're going to, we're going to illuminate and lead the way here is form tracking is the enabling technology for us to deliver like a plethora of good coaching experiences. And by coaching, that might just mean you walk into a class of a hundred people, but the coach knows how to get everybody you know, to improve by the end of the class, or it could be as nuanced as like personal training and personal form coaching. There's a spectrum of experiences in between 
Um, and I hope Peloton can fix the computer vision. I hope they can scale exercise recognition quickly by moving away from an architecture of feeding videos um, of, of people doing exercises. And then most importantly, I, I hope they can just do what Apple did and like fast iterate on more and more features. And so hopefully it's like, wow, this is the best $300 I ever spent because it just keeps getting better and better over time. Yeah. Uh, but they've, they've got their work cut out for themselves uh, if they're going to do that. So question for both of you guys. So when you look at this piece of hardware, is it sufficient enough? And I'm not, you know, I don't know the tech side of thing. Is it sufficient enough like a, like a Tesla where the, it, it can completely, like a, the computer program can continue to be upgraded? Or do you think the hardware is going to have to continue to be upgraded too? So um, I hope Peloton aren't watching this podcast, Colin, because so, I hacked my treadmill. I hacked my treadmill. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And I took um, I took a demo of a Sensi recognizing me boxing, um, and you know counting reps of me punching and telling me to keep my hands up as I'm punching. And I took a demo of that that was designed for an Android phone, and I kind of ran it on my treadmill, <laughs> um, and it worked beautifully. It actually worked very very well. So I think the fundamental hardware um, that's running on a Peloton is more than capable of running uh, the right software. The, ch the, the challenge is. The software problem is hard and the the obvious approach to the problem I don't think is the right approach to the problem. And so um, you know, we'll see how Peloton figure that out. But yeah, I think this hardware has got like life in it. Um, but yeah, the 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 really need to think about how the software is is developed. Gotcha. And so I was also kind of curious about your thoughts on you know, with the computer vision technology and you know the AI, like where do you think we are in terms of a timeline? where things could actually be useful. Cause I think for me, it feels like, like, let's just say we're trying to emulate a, a really bad coach, like the, the brand new 24 hour minimum wage paid coach who can Ooh. count your reps and like, you know, well, that's, it's not their fault. Like you're 17 years old. You, you got your first job at, at a gym. You can count people's reps. You can say, good job. Keep going. Uh, you can see some basic faults, maybe squat lower, right? Uh, so I feel like, you know, we're not even to a really bad coach yet. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious, not a really good coach, like you're saying, is going to know the differences between each person and which step in the learning process or how to better teach them a movement based on what they're already showing and what they already understand and what they need. Uh, so <clears throat> like, we're not even to the bad coach yet. How long do you think it'll take before we get to AI tech and computer vision and all of the tracking um, systems to be able to help develop enough that it feels like a good coach? You'll see products in market this year, products you've never heard of before and products from brands you love, powered by Ascensi, giving you exactly that experience you're left wanting for. Um, so... I love that phrase. The future's now. It's just not evenly distributed yet. You know, I think yeah. that's that's where that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, let me tell you about some of the experiences that um, we're delivering. Did we just lose Colin? Um, Eric, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to hijack Eric. Let's just go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll keep talking, Colin. So, um, yep. let me tell you about some of the experiences that we're delivering uh, with some of our customers right now that we think are really high value experiences. Um, the first is onboarding. You know, when you buy a bike, um, we pretty much all know how to ride a bike, and you've got to be pretty special to hurt yourself the first time you get on a Peloton bike. Um, it's probably a balance issue, not a technique issue, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
But if you're buying a rowing machine, if you're buying a strength training machine, if you're buying a Pilates reformer, you know, those are typically products where you would, you know, oftentimes the, the proposition in the gym is like, you know, sign up and you'll get a free 30 minute induction class uh, with a trainer, you know, to make sure you don't hurt yourself. You know, we all live in a world where you can't go to the gym until a personal trainer walks you around the gym for 30 minutes and shows you how yeah. to use the equipment. So we call that, um, we call that, I mean, it's a good name for it, right? We call it like onboarding. Um, and we're delivering that onboarding experience uh, with the Sensi into a number of these kinds of products that I've spoken about, where your unboxing experience includes um, whole part, whole coaching, right? It's not like, mm -hmm. you know, watch me do a power clean and then it's your turn. It's like, hey, let's just start here. Let's make sure these are good. Now let's add this part. Now follow me. Now copy me. Now I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to talk you through the movements and you do them. So we build people up and we take more and more, take the visual cues away, take the auditory cues away. So we're delivering those experiences. Um, another experience powered by form tracking that a number of our customers are, are working with us on right now is movement screening. Now, movement screening sounds really clinical. It sounds really FMS, functional movement screen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a great experience. It's like go through all these exercises and we'll kind of measure angles and directions. But I would imagine, yeah, you know, I've never trained with either of you guys, but I would imagine if I was training with you, you take me through a fairly active warm-up. And as I'm warming up, I'm in a mountain climber, I'm doing a test my rotation, I'm doing a this and a that. The whole time you're looking at me, you're like, you know, dude's got no rotation through his thoracic T-spine. He's got mm -hmm. kind of tight shoulders here. Looks like we've got some hip immobility. And as you're doing that, as a good coach, that's just going to change the way you coach me for the next hour. You might substitute exercises. You might rethink about some of the stuff you were going to do. You might pause and hang out in a movement for a little while longer and see if you can work that immobility. So that's something you're going to see getting delivered in a number of our customers' products as well, is just as you warm up, as you sit on a rower, as you work out on the reformer, we're continuously measuring your range of motion, perhaps against the baseline of what you've done before, so we can recommend adjustments and then of course there's real-time coaching and form correction and progression but you know this is how i'm really passionate about you know to my to my third thing i would uh, speak to tom cortese about what's the best imaginable coaching experience not what's the best imaginable consumer experience the best imaginable consumer experience is you have a great coach running a class yeah. so how do i make sure that i can create that great coach and i can deliver those great coaching experiences and if I'm in the next room shouting through the wall to the class and I can't see what they're doing, I'm not coaching a good class. And that's what computer vision and AI solve. So to answer your question, this year, you'll see products that Peloton wish were theirs. Very cool. Very cool. Um, now, another thing I wanted to talk to you about too is, because I know, as I say, with you guys have kind of, I'm sure there's more than just two, but the main focus is, at least from what I've seen, is the computer vision. And then there's uh, wearable you know, tracking, um, which is doesn't need computer vision because if you're wearing trackers, that can assess your movement as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on like what the difference is between the two and the different value that each can provide um, both separately or combined. Principally separately. Um, mm -hmm. And for us, you know, when we started the company, I'll give a little bit of history of how we got here and then I'll kind of back into that as a strategy. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. when I started the company, I was coming out of Microsoft and worked closer with the Microsoft Connect team. So my view, this is like 2013, 2014, as like computer vision is not going to be there in the next five or six years for fitness and sport coaching. I couldn't imagine how that depth sensor uh, that was in the Connect 
plus all the really complex software that was running on the Xbox, which is a gaming PC, uh, all that software that was running on the Xbox to calculate time of flight of a limb. So if suddenly we can't see it, we can predict where it actually is until we can see it again. Like that seemed a hard problem for a phone to be able to solve um, or for a low cost connected hardware to solve. So that kind of forced me down another path of like, well, what about connected apparel? And like, that's a state of the art that I think is evolving more quickly. So that's why we went in that direction first. And yeah, you're right. We now have, um, you know, we're working with third-party performance compression apparel manufacturers, Virus International in California, who are now, you know, you know manufacturing performance apparel with Essency inside. And so that means for a connected fitness company that has a rowing machine or has a platform reformer or has a strength training product, they now have a companion SKU that they can sell, which is a piece of connected apparel that will unlock that performance coaching. Cool. I think the second place for connected apparel is, you know, there's two limitations with computer vision. One is field of view. You have to be within the lens of the camera. And the second is light doesn't bend around corners. And we're not taking that problem on. Like light's not going to bend around corners. Um, <laughs> Tom and I will take that one. Black yeah. holes notwithstanding. But, you know, and, until we can curve light, there's always going to be a time and a place where um, the, the sport or the modality is going to dictate that the camera can't capture enough of your posture and form. So when I think about... I mean, let's just go a little nuts here. Skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, um, uh, martial arts, where two people are rolling around on the ground wrestling, trying to get each other into a lock and trying to escape a lock. Um, those are all places where a camera is going to struggle and connected apparel is a, is a beautiful solution to the problem. But what I think we're seeing right now is two things. One, a lot of connected fitness products right now, they have you in a fixed space. You know, The product imposes that fixed space on you which makes cameras a little easier. And then the other is customers want a faster horse. You know, that's the way that people have decided um, they want to solve the problem right now. And so for us, you know, what I, I used to work for Adobe and you know, what I've said to my team, my investors, my board is I don't want to sit in a meeting ever again and argue flash versus HTML or VHS versus Betamax. So we decided let's not make it an either or. Let's let's make it so that with a sensei, when you train exercises, all those movement screen and instructional learning experiences, they're totally oblivious to whether the data is coming from connected apparel or is coming from computer vision. And we want people to basically develop for one and get the other for free when they want to take the free one to market. And then the last thing, and Colin, you when we met in LA a few weeks or a month or so ago, um, we also introduced the idea of room scale capture. So you know the, the the next evolution in the state of the computer vision art is how can you track 10, 20, 30 people in a room uh, with eyes in the sky so that every everyone in the room is being form tracked and getting that personalized coaching and how do we bring the best of digital into the physical environment and not just think about how do we replicate physical coaching in a digital environment. So you know I care about the transformation in both directions. Does that make sense? No, definitely. And I think one of the parts of your presentation that was kind of um illuminating of that was, you know, the idea of a, a super coach, right? Where, you know, and, and Eric will know a lot about this too, because we both- Because he's a super great. coach, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe him, but, uh, you know, as fitness studio owners of, for a long time, both of us, uh, you know, one of the issues I think fitness studios face, uh, one of the many, is class size, like basically the costs and, and what people are willing to pay. And what people are willing to pay now isn't that much more than what they're willing to pay 20 years ago, right. uh, but the costs in the competition is significantly higher. So what that has forced you know to do people to do is take on more people for classes. So 
much bigger average class sizes. Uh, and then additionally, because there's less money, a lot of these coaches don't unfortunately don't get paid uh, in a lot of these places as much as they really should. And what that mm-hmm. leads is to a lot of coaches, like really good coaches end up leaving to out of necessity to develop their own programs and their own systems. And what's left is a lot of studios have maybe one good coach and a few coaches that are newer or maybe not as experienced. And uh, what I saw with the computer vision was the, a way to allow these bigger classes and maybe these slightly less experienced coaches being able to give them feedback instantly about what's going on in the class with everybody and, you know, help direct their attention to the right person and exactly. the right faults. And, and that kind of helps solve a problem where people in a larger <laughs> class may feel like it's more personalized and a better experience because this great coach is seemingly a, an amazing super coach. You know, in, in reality, they're an average coach uh, or maybe they're a good coach, but now they're even better because right. of the AI help. Um, no, Eric, you said something at the top of the meeting, actually, the, the, the top of the podcast, where, you know, oftentimes in sports tech, you find technologies that are looking for problems or you find technologists that don't really understand coaching. Um, and as you guys both know, you know, the founding team and like the extended team, you know, my, my sales team, my engineers, we all competed, captain, coached the sports that we're passionate about. So we're very kind of coach first. And so, you know, Colin, I, I coached the University of Edinburgh for like 15 years. I coached the karate program there. Um, I loved Freshers Week. I loved that first week where it was an opportunity to take people who had never imagined they would walk into a karate dojo and I'm telling them, five of you are going to be black belts in four years. Forget your law degree, <laughs> your medicine degree. You're going to be a black belt. Um, you're going to graduate Edinburgh University. But, you know, for these first months of class, I may have, you know, 150, 200 people in a hall teaching them to throw punches and kicks at each other. You know, that's not, you know, that's not scalable. But I was very lucky. I had assistant coaches. I had black belts in the class. We were able to walk around. And in these big classes, you know, one of the black belts, you know, Paul walks over to me and says, hey, Stephen, all the white belts seem to be struggling with knowing to pick their knee up and do X. And so that's where I would take the class. Maybe I would just go over and teach that part of the class, or maybe I would stop the whole class and use it as a lesson. So that idea that there's other people in the room with eyes on athletes with eyes, uh, that, that can steer the direction of the training. That's where the idea for the super coach came from. It wasn't like this is cool technology. It's like this is how we used to coach. Uh, and you nailed the use case. You know, the use case is basically, um, you know, it, it's twofold. It's how do we scale the coach? The coach can't be watching everybody at once. Um, and oftentimes in studio fitness classes they're actually like sitting on an erg or on a treadmill and they're taking part in the class themselves as well right so so that's one use case is how can i just put in that coach's ear steven on erg four is um letting his hips slide back and then pull in with his shoulders and remind him to brace his core or whatever but the second point uh that's related that you made that's really important is for a lot of the customers we have in boutique fitness, that's the problem they have is like, look, we bring all of our instructors to boot camp or we bring all of our instructors to such and such university and we teach them our coaching pedagogy. We teach them the cues we want to use, the corrections we want to make. But three years later, they've forgotten them and they don't necessarily think. So this is a way for a sensei to keep the curriculum front in mind. So in your ear, it's like, you know, Colin, Stevens on the arg, he's making this mistake. Do you remember the pause at finish drill? Why don't you teach that to him at the end of the class? Oh. And it's just this delightful interaction between the coach and the athlete of, you know, at the end of the day, uh, and I should make sure I land this point in this in this podcast, 
Form tracking is the enabling technology for personalization. It's not the enabling technology for rep counting uh, and counting punches and counting reps. It's the enabling technology for personalization, for deepening enjoyment and deepening engagement. And as coaches, you know this, like progression is retention. So, you know, if you can get somebody to continually feel like they're getting better at the thing, they're going to come back to the next class and the next class. And isn't that the connected fitness problem? That's how we don't have yeah. a, a closed rack in our living room. It's great, man. It's a augmented coaching, you know, we could probably call it. And, you know, I, I think one of the existential quote, by the way, great, uh, reference to Mark Farina, mushroom jazz earlier. I didn't want to, there you go. go. I love Number it. Yeah, it's best. really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really good. But, uh, the existential, um, you know, you can take the man out of San Francisco, but yeah, 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 totally. yeah. <laughs> uh, the existential question is like, you know, for coaches, like is technology going to run me over, right? right. Is, is, is my profession going to be valuable in 10 years? You know, when I start seeing this and that's a question I get asked all the time is like, well, what do I do with technology? I'm like, well, you got to find the tech that makes what you're currently doing right now, 10 to 20% better. Right. right. And forget about the rest. Like you can't take on all the tech, right? You just can't as a coach. I heard much. someone else say, I, I've stolen this phrase from someone like, and my apologies <laughs> if they're watching, cause I forget who to attribute this to, but it's not mm -hmm. mine. Uh, but it's technology won't replace coaches, but coaches who use technology will replace coaches who don't. And so that's how I like nice. to think about it. And so. Yeah. Well said, well said. Awesome. Well, thanks Stephen, for jumping on. Uh, thanks Eric for jumping in as well. Um, and for anybody watching, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, if you are listening to the podcast, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash connect the Watts and subscribe. If you want to watch the show live, uh, I think we'll be planning on doing it mostly Fridays or, or Saturdays. Uh, we'll try to put out an announcement in advance um, until we figure out a, a more consistent schedule. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And I'll hope you guys have a good rest of the day.